0: Hi everyone, welcome back to a podcast of one's own. We really hope that you're doing well and staying safe right now. Uh, Today's episode is a really exciting one. If you attended our guest talk seminar, you will already know who our special guest is. But just to introduce him again, it is anti-racist educator Trey Venter. Our president Esther actually went out to meet Trey before his session on uh, misogynoir, black history and erasure. Uh, It was in a safe environment and guidelines were adhered to, of course, and they had a chat about what it's like being a social justice activist in academia and the, the sort of inherent contradiction of submitting to the institutions that are corrupt and the ones that you're fighting against. Also, they spoke about the role of education in activism and the systemic inaccessibility of race education, especially when that comes around to the idea of self-educating and reliance on people having to educate themselves. So, before we jump into the conversation, Esther is just going to give a little disclaimer, uh, which was recorded after. So, take it away, Esther.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Esther. Um, excited for you to listen to this conversation between me and Trey Ventor. Um, I just wanted to clarify one thing that we did discuss that was not on uh, on the that's not on the recording and that is the consideration of discussing the issue of misogynoir um from a non non-experien- a non-experience uh point of view uh, so we we both acknowledge um and did throughout the the planning of this event that Trey is not a black woman uh, he has experience from the race aspect of this intersection um, by being a black man but he does not have the experience of of sitting at the intersection of both being black and a woman and, and this is something that he was very aware of, he included a disclaimer in the session as well about this and was in conversation with a lot of black um, women in in the activist field uh, to discuss whether or not it was suitable for him to do this uh, but it did and, and was encouraged to do it because on, on the basis essentially of uh, saying that progress needs to come from all fronts and even if you don't occupy a specific position uh, of uh, in the oppressive system uh, you need to fight for those people regardless. That said, um, it would of course have been ideal for us to invite a black woman who was sitting at that specific intersection to discuss misogynoir. Um, And there's another interesting lesson here uh, from just trying to get in contact with uh, activists. And we did discuss this in terms of, so essentially when you look for people, there is a form of uh almost shadowing or shadow Banning uh, it's difficult to find activists in this field on online uh, I was told by trade that LinkedIn for anyone who's interested is the, a great place to start to look for for um activists but I do I just did want to mention that uh, we're aware of the fact that Trey is not a woman uh, although he's discussing um misogynoir uh, and uh, the failure to to include a black woman, to have this conversation is, of course, in itself a form of erasure, but also um, shows us parts of the system where it's difficult to even make this progress uh, and difficult to even get in touch with people that are able to come in. So um, there's a lesson to be learned about that. Yes, this was a long little um, tangential point that I wanted to make. Uh, and I'm very welcome to discuss it with anyone who would like to. Um, that being said, we're very happy with the session, uh, the webinar, that that Trey gave us, and I'm excited for you to listen to this conversation that we had. Um, yeah, have fun. Welcome, Trey. Uh, is that how you, how you pronounce yeah. it? Yeah. Um, for you guys that can't hear, it, this is Esther talking and we're just gonna have a little chat about um, everything around the event that we're having tonight this will be released later but yeah just do you want to just tell everyone a little bit about what you do how did you end up doing it Um, what brought you into it
2: last year I was a student union officer as full-time officer Northampton Students Union um, for black and ethnic minority students and I did Mm. a lot of these sorts of talks for students on specific oh, did. Like, on history and like and race and that sort of thing. Mm. Things they wanted to know about on whatever. Yeah. Um and not just black students or white students wanted to know mm. as well about how they could what they can do um, yeah. to help. Um, so I did give talks to these um to students about this stuff and then mm. when I finished that role or towards when I was finishing, I realised that I liked doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I'd see if um I could carry on doing it in some way. Yeah. Um so, yeah, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going, just winging it, essentially. Just doing it. That's um, awesome. And I'm studying again now as well. Oh, I'm, you are? I'm doing masters.
1: You're a master? Oh, yeah. at the same time. That's yeah. a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. What's, uh, what's the degree?
2: It's um, with lead back at University in race education and mm. um, decolonial thought. So, oh, yeah,
0: you have mentioned so,
2: this. So, when you hear like university, talking about decolonizing stuff and that curriculum and education that's the sort of stuff that we do on my degree and what we talk about that's amazing more so like the academics behind it
0: yeah
2: because when you say decolonization i find people just use it that term like like anywhere yeah Um, and it's often especially now it's
1: being thrown around
2: and it's often conflated with diversity and they're not they're not the same thing even though there's they can be interlinked they're not the same so that's what my degree is about and where race oh, yeah. plays into that and the whole history and, and resistance and activism and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's the stuff we talk about on my, on my course.
1: That's fantastic. Um, and now you're also sort of getting the experience of yeah. talking about it as you go yeah. along. That's mm. amazing. Yeah. It must be quite um, like beneficial for the studies yeah. to kind of repeat it at the same time like in your practice when, mm. you're, when you're doing the work.
2: Yeah, well, the Black Lives Matter movement is so embedded in the stuff that we talk about on yeah. the course. Um. And this course has been around for a few years now, so it mm. it came after the Trayvon Martin killing, okay, yeah, but not because ask. not because of it. And then this happened, the George Floyd murder happened, yeah. which sort of added um, ammunition to why courses like that yeah. ne- need to exist yeah. on, on, at universities.
1: Yeah, hopefully we'll see more courses like that yeah. because I've not seen. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if Edinburgh Uni does it. Mm. Napier doesn't. Yeah. Um, I had a. Uh, an investigation this summer, I went through the entire course catalog yeah. and I was looking yeah. specifically for, uh, to see uh, what kind of coverage Napier had, yeah. at, uh, yeah. a, like across the different yeah. schools and degrees, yeah. uh, you know, modules or even subtopics within modules yeah. that yeah. would cover anything relevant to, uh, to black history and the, yeah. and the, and um, the aspects of the movement that's brought forward, uh, you know how relevant it is to every different field, mm-hmm. and how it yeah. shows up in different workplaces, mm-hmm. and you know, like how yeah. it's just, you know, like what it is—the mm. systemic issue—and yeah. uh, it was just, you know, disappointing <laughs> seeing yeah. that it was just lacking so much, specifically in like some uh, degrees where you really expected it to be. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm sure they do cover mm. it to some extent in Mm. like criminology for example Mm. in sociology but from what i've talked about it's still Mm. not it's Mm. very much tiptoed around Mm. it's like added as a side note and like oh Mm. yeah and keep this in mind Mm. rather than this is something that we all need to understand on a fundamental Mm. level from the get-go no matter what you're studying you should know
2: this i know that when i was um northampton that i sat in a couple of sociology classes Mm. where they were doing race yeah. And they didn't talk about whiteness or yeah. white privilege at all, but oh, they yeah. talked about they often talk about victims like racism, what what it what it does to other people, yeah. but, but never about the system, like, which is a, that's I think a, that's the yeah. issue, yeah,
1: because that yeah. makes that's what makes people feel mm. be oblivious to mm. it it's, because they don't see the events happening, yeah. and then they don't see the fabric in the system that actually yeah. makes it happen so often. Um, yeah I mean hopefully I think the fact that you're studying it mm. the fact that pe- that these courses do exist and hopefully will become yeah. more that's that's going to like yes. be a big part of of moving yeah. forwards but do you as an educator uh in this arena have you do you, do you notice if there's any around you at your course or when you're visiting schools have you noticed uh progressive shift in any ways um, since the summer or during this? A, a
2: little maybe, mm. whether that is consistent or whether, that's, whether that happens once the movement yeah. dies down a little bit, is, remains to be seen.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, but I know there are some courses popping up mm. um, but I know they do black studies mm. at Birmingham City University and that's headed oh, by right. Professor Kahindi Andrews. Oh,
1: wow. um,
2: um, then there's ethnicity and I think there's ethnicity, culture and diaspora. Mm. At Birkbeck in London, okay. uh, University of London, I think Birkbeck, but I don't see many of these types of courses around in the UK. No. But when I look at in America, for example, we've got African American studies, and, yeah, uh, and there has been like that since for decades, yeah, essentially. Um, I know there's an African history course starting, I think, at University of Chichester.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and that's headed by Professor. Hakim mm-hmm. um, so those courses are popping up they're, they are popping they're up, just yeah. very niche and you've got to look for it very yeah. hard and yeah it's not going to be promoted I'm, I'm, so, i find that they yeah. will
1: either be very niche or they will yeah. be almost too broad like i i think there is i'm i might not i might say it slightly wrong but i think there's a uh, an undergrad just called african studies i edinburgh uni it might be called something slightly different okay. but it's like still quite broad you know mm-hmm. what i mean like yes. there's a lot they yeah. could cover there uh so trying to find a midpoint between mm. like really niched and mm. and broad and then see how uh it's so important that people learn these things but then uh what are the opportunities after once you have a degree like that how, yeah. how are you going to apply it how yeah. can you How's how society gonna let mm. you apply it you mm. know what i mean very very interesting and i was um uh, as like you were saying it it remains to see how how this momentum is is you you know used and utilized and uh and pushed forward but i think um we had a session a few weeks ago on intersectional feminism and we Mm -hmm. touched upon this quite a bit and we've been kind of trying to our members for, for this block that we're doing now yeah. in October for Black History Month. And um, what we, the conclusion is, as always, that education is the key. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so great that you're doing these uh, talks specifically catered to educational institutions yeah. because that's where it's lacking a lot yeah. right now. Um, I've been in contact with a few people at our university trying to create some some sort of compulsory inductions for students because it's gonna be imperative for both students that are uh, from from minority ethnic groups or uh, you know black Asian uh, students that will experience this firsthand in their fields of study and and hopefully that will be something that that's something that takes time as well as uh, you know all these courses that are popping up I I Hopefully what we're seeing is not that it's not happening at a big scale But it yeah. will be like in a while mm-hmm. even more will pop up mm-hmm. like a little backlog because mm-hmm. it obviously takes time to develop these courses yeah. and programs and I think that's what's happening yeah. at Napier as well And people I've talked to are very much they put together a, an action plan to to look at these and they've uh, looked at revising the race training for staff mm. there's been a creation of a BAME staff network as well mm. which is you know great mm. great news but everything is happening mm. slowly like on an administrative administrative level yeah. there's there's a lot of work that needs to be, do and I, be done and I think that's good that they're doing it properly rather than rushing it and yeah. then it's you know um, but yeah you were walking around a little bit in Edinburgh yeah. you're um, you, you posted some one statue I yeah, saw.
2: Statue of a lady and a child, a black lady and a black child. Yeah. Um, I think it was to commemorate the victims of apartheid. Yeah. Um, but the statue itself is like, it, it, it stands out in the, middle of the, street, in the street. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't look like it, it belongs there. <laughs> no, well, it's it, 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 eye catching. Yeah. yeah, it's very eye catching. Um, yeah. Um, and that was yesterday. That was yesterday. Um, yeah. And then today, Jamaica Street. I found, and the other one, which name? Dundas. Dundas. Yeah. Uh, street. Um.
1: That's uh, the Saint Andrew's monument yeah. uh, for Henry Dundas. We has been talked about quite a lot <laughs> in yeah. Edinburgh yeah. Uh, and criticised. You know, yeah. the the placard that described the monument was absolutely not mentioning any of the things that he'd done that mm. were negative so mm. he he was a, an MP in mm. the Midlothians in the yeah. early 1800s late 1700s early 1800s mm. um, who mm. had a, a great impact on Edinburgh and, yeah. and the, the areas around but then it was never really
2: mentioned that he also stopped abolition, tried to stop abolition yeah yeah he
1: he yeah. did um delayed it by mm. fifteen years the abolition of slavery which so, meant that it was up to uh, like more than half a million mm-hmm. uh people were enslaved and shipped over to uh, to um from from the colonies mm. uh and that's you know a uh, immeasurable loss uh, yeah. and it definitely needs to be Needs to be acknowledged, but and it is being acknowledged uh, that now, going. I, I walked past it, seeing that there's a there's a temporary plaque saying that there's been a commission for a new, uh, for a new sign, mm. and they even put the what they're gonna, what they're gonna inscribe on it, so that and yeah, you can okay. read it.
2: I took a photo. Uh, oh, that's really good. I thought I thought it was quite good. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Do you want to read it out? Um, it says, um, Henry Dundas, first Viscount uh, Lord Melville, uh, 1742 to 1811. Uh, a new plaque has been commissioned for the Melville Monument to explain Henry Dundas, first Viscount Lord Melville's history, um, his impact on society, and to acknowledge his role in the, in the delaying of the abolition of the slave trade. Uh, the new plaque uh, will read, uh, Henry Dundas, first vice, first vice count of Melville 1742 to 1811. Um, at the top of this neoclassical column stands a statue of Henry Dundas, uh, first, first vice count of Melville uh, 1742 to 1811. He was the Scottish Lord Advocate, an MP for Edinburgh and uh, mid, Midlothian, and the first vice and the First Lord of the Admiralty, Dundas was a contentious figure, the provoking controversies that resonate to this day. While Home Secretary in 1792 and the First Secretary of State for War in 1796, he was instrumental in deferring, in deferring the abolition of the Atlantic slave trade. Uh, slave trading by British ships was not abolished until 1807 as a result of this delay more than half a million enslaved Africans crossed the Atlantic. Uh, Dundas was curbed democratic dissent in Scotland and both defended and expanded the British Empire imposing colonial rule on indigenous peoples. He he was impeached in the United Kingdom for misappropriation of public money and although acquitted, he never held public office again. Despite this, the monument before you was funded by voluntary contributions from British naval officers, petty officers, seamen and marines and was erected in 1821, with the statue placed on top in 1827. Uh, In 2020, this plaque was dedicated to the memory of the more than half a million Africans whose enslavement was a consequence of Henry Dundas's actions.
1: That is quite a difference from what it was before. (laughs) (laughs) It was very concise and not mentioning
2: anything. Yeah, they would do this in London. Because there's loads of statues in London that need something like this next to it.
1: Yeah. Do you think that it's, um, like, as an activist and educator, do you think that this is a good way to tackle it, or do you think that there should be... I don't know, the argument is that taking monuments like this down completely would also kind of erase the history of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think it's better to to replace the information about it, or would you think Um, that it's still kind of inappropriate to even have it up?
2: I think unless the people take it down themselves mm. like they did in Bristol
0: mm.
2: you need to have these these sorts of plaques next to them
0: Yeah.
2: once the people take stuff down you can't really stop them really. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really into taking every Holston down in Bristol
1: Yeah.
2: but the people did it yeah. so then I, I can't really the I, people, can't, it's a, yeah. I can't really argue with no, that
1: it's what the um, people wanted
2: but I think these plaques are too subtle as well
1: yeah, can I easily, can definitely uh, agree with that. You can that. easily
2: walk past these plaques and not not, not really care. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a good start, but it, it it can't be the only thing.
1: No, I think like even even the we're for the people listening, we're just looking at a picture of the plaque right now, and it would be so easy to walk past it, and you would the only thing you would see is just the, the name and like really. Mm big font Henry Mm. Dundas and then you would just keep walking and that's what would stick with you rather than reading the fine print so there's a lesson there as well to to pay attention to what's around you um yeah so um when it comes to activism and educating people do you do you have do you personally, do you, do you feel like there's a lot of um, cooperation and collaborations between activists in the field? Um, like, do you talk to a lot of people that do the same type of work as you or is you, it more of a, um,
2: like from a personal point of view? I think some collaboration, mm. um, but like all movements, there's, there's disagreements. Yeah. Um, like, you look at the civil rights movement and, and, yeah. it, and it was so divisive. Even yeah. within the civil rights movement, yeah. and some people didn't disagree. Mm. Um, Martin Luther King, and Malcolm X didn't agree. No, in the beginning, but towards the end, they sort of saw eye yeah. to eye a bit more. Um, so now, their ad- activists will, will agree and disagree, like any, yeah. Like any, like yeah. any movement. yeah, yeah. I think so. that's
1: a that's a, a big thing with any any activist mm. movement. It's very, or you know, any group mm. of people in general. Mm. It's very. Mm. Uh, people want to categorise and put people you know be easily definable but there's the danger of Mm. uh, treating a group of people as a monolith Mm. and that's that's never going to be representative of the actual the way that it actually is but as long I think you know sharing of perspectives is ultimately the Mm. only thing Mm. that that will get anyone forward yeah Um, I
2: mean I do know quite a few people that do anti-racism mm. talks and training and stuff.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, LinkedIn's a really good space mm. to find these people. Yeah. Um, if you did a Google search on anti-racism trainers, you probably wouldn't get many. You wouldn't find oh my it. gosh. You'd find, you'd, find, you'd find, I think it's very hard. Oh, so hard. Yeah. it's so <laughs> yeah. hard.
1: It's so hard. Because um, I, you know, in preparation for this, I was trying to, yeah. and especially, and also uh, when talking to Napier and trying to help them to find mm. people, uh, yeah. And to push them to do it, it's really hard. It's mm. like it's almost, you know, like shadowed from the internet. Yeah.
2: But, uh, but yeah, LinkedIn is really good. For, yeah, for that's really good. Of, these sorts of things.
1: Um, that would be my new... I mean, I've had a LinkedIn account for years, <laughs> but I will be t- totally honest, I've not really used it until this year, fourth year, when all of my <laughs> lecturers are like, come on, and like LinkedIn, you need to yeah. be on there. <laughs> Which, yeah. Oh, that's really good. What do you what do you hope for in your activism? Like, if you were, um, you know, do you, do you see yourself doing more things? I know you're writing as Mm. well, you're a poet.
2: Um, I try. (laughs) It is a lot as well. Um, There's lots of things to do when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. And there also comes a point where you have to ask, can you be an activist and yeah. do and do this? Um, if you're in academia, very exa- very good point. For example, um, can yeah. you be an activist and do this? Even though what you're doing is an act of resistance in, in teaching yeah. students about critical race theory, for example, yeah, um, you're, you're still sort you're of s- still you're still in you're in, inside. Yeah. and I have same similar issues with myself. Yeah. Um, in doing, I'm a freelancer. Yeah. But the stuff that I talk about, and then I go to institutions, and sometimes I take money from institutions. Yeah. Um, to, to deliver these talks. So how? Yeah. So how far can you say is it activism or not?
0: Mm. At the same time.
2: Yeah. So th- there is a there is a grey area there. Yeah. Um, and there is a line, but I'm I'm not really sure where that line is is
1: really difficult yeah. because yeah. on the one hand it might be the only mm. way to get these points across yeah. uh, to the people that really need to hear them and mm. to the systems and institutions mm. that do really need to hear them but you're also adhering yeah. to the structures that are yeah. already there it's a mm. very important point
2: yeah
1: um, what about what about like everyday activism mm. that everyone can do What if the people people that might have not been in in activist spaces before and mm. feel uncomfortable mm. and don't know what to do, but they want to learn. Yeah. What do you think is linked? Well, you said LinkedIn is a good place to start to to yeah. find out people that that might be doing this type of work. Mm. Do you have other
2: um, reading as well? Yeah. I like I like the reading the books. I love that, the reading. The books that are coming out are really good. My yeah. undergrad dissertation was on race and mm. identity, um, and that was in two thousand nineteen. So mm. it was last year. But yeah. I started doing it in two
0: thousand
2: and eighteen. Yeah. Um, and then I used the Natives' book by Carla,
0: mm. um,
2: Rani Adilodger's book. Yeah, that's um, an excellent
0: one.
2: British by Afua Hirsch as well. Mm. Um, Black I and British that. by David Olasoga Um. But in the in the two years since then mm. um, there's been so many more books to come out yeah. that or that books that I've recently found out about yeah. um, things like Me and White Supremacy I think it's Layla's that, that Layla's, one's really Layla's, good I read that Layla's Layla's myself Side. yeah um, Robin Robin DiAngelo and White Fragility as well um, yeah so there's so many books on race some of them are more academic oh, yeah. I agree on that and yeah. some of them are they're quite inaccessible to general yeah. populations but other ones are quite easy to read yeah um so books like white i'd say is quite a good way in to anyone that doesn't understand any of this stuff yeah that's really good Um, i
1: i was talking to um asinath and she is the um she's on the committee of napier's bame society and we were discussing about we were talking about how to best learn i was mentioning you know in, in in passing and that I'd been watching Outlander oh yeah, I, love, <laughs> and I was I like, Outlander yeah, and I was <laughs> like you know, it, it brings out certain aspects and I'm not sure you mm. know, how uh, how true to mm. history they are, but they do bring up a lot of aspects of yeah. you know, the oppression of uh, Scotland under under the yes. British rule and then they and then they go to Jamaica mm. and then they go to America yeah. under colonialism and they have the Native Americans there and mm. they've got the the enslaved African mm. people as well. Mm. So there's a lot of it in there. And I just mentioned it mm. in passing because I was like, I'd never really thought about the sort of history, the Scottish yeah. history in that way, mm. because it's so
0: yeah.
1: uh, ingrained, especially like in relation to that, like mm. the, the way of the yeah. Like being colonized, mm. but also being a colonizer, it's mm. such a weird yes. identity for, for British people to mm. have, uh, or yeah. for Scottish people mm. specifically. Mm. And I think makes mm. it difficult to do this work here because there yes. is a victim mentality where they're like, we're the colonized, mm. we're not the colonizers. Yes. I think- but I, I, sorry, I was uh, yeah. So we were talking about it, and I said, "Yeah, I just saw an Outlander, and maybe it's silly really to it, learn from Outlander really and she said, word. "Yeah, it is really
0: good <laughs>
1: but she said, her point was uh, to say that it doesn't you know maybe it's not the perfect historical account, but learning even if you're learning from from fiction mm. uh, to get a new perspective on something and it opens you up to mm. one new." Mm. Uh, way of thinking that's still something and that's yeah. still learning mm. even if it's not from an academic point mm. of view Yeah. Uh, which I think is important yeah. and I'm an academic at heart, I yeah. love that stuff yeah. too, but for mm. people that find that difficult, mm. I think she had a point actually mm. that I hadn't thought of
2: I think we need to redefine what academia is as well, so yeah fiction books can be part of that, yeah. in terms of learning about history, yeah um, the long song by Andrea Levy mm. as a way to, to discuss the slave trade. Um, yeah. That book is set on the sort of the year, the year of emancipation, mm. um, and the that's year cool. afterwards as well. Oh, so wow. it, it shows you sort of both sides that's of
0: awesome.
2: enslaved people, but also how, after emancipation, you now had a population of people that were formerly enslaved, yeah. and now demanding rights and jobs and stuff.
1: Like, yeah, like that. that's really um, so. What was the name of that? Uh, again? The
2: long song. The long, the long song. song. Um, and it was adapted by the BBC last year, a year before, oh, wow. as well. So you should definitely watch that. I definitely but, will. But books like Outlander and the TV show, as yeah. well, they don't have to be accurate. No. They, they, they just need to provoke you to ask questions and do yeah. your own research. And I probably wouldn't have done. My, my, I would probably wouldn't have looked into Scotland and like and Jacobite cause yeah. or anything like that if I hadn't watched Outlander. No. Um, it's the same. And I started reading the books as well. Um, based yeah, i have not, on, on, not on read the, the on, books, on and I'm a big readers, yeah. so I'm surprised that I haven't, um, but... But yeah, Outlander does, lots, it, it does articulate that really well without mm. having to be 100% accurate. Yeah. And I don't think TV shows should, they don't need to be accurate, because otherwise they're just spoon-feeding you stuff, stuff. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. It's better if you,
1: yeah.
2: they teach you to um, critically think about things. So shows like Outlander, um, Dark's another one,
1: mm.
2: um, about... Um, minors in the 18th century and, mm. the, and the politics of that and it, 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 it goes into class oppression and, gen, and gender oppression as well.
1: Amazing. Um,
2: and so does Outlander, how, how Outlander depicts um, trauma in terms of yeah. in, um, women and violence and, and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. It, it doesn't need to tell you everything. No. It needs to ask, push you to ask questions yeah. and do your own research. Yeah. It's fine just to watch a TV show, and not have, not, it doesn't need to be accurate no I think like
1: the more the more you uh, pay attention to how things that you watch Mm. and consume affect you the more you can also get out of the next thing you consume so uh, like I've noticed this now uh, then the next show that I watch or the next book that I read or the next even you know podcast Mm. that I listen to I'll be more aware of how I take that information in Mm. and how I cultivate it Mm. and bring it forward so that's there's so many ways to learn yeah
2: um So when we asked what decolonizing mm. curriculum and and stuff like that, not every text has to be academic or no. ac- academic, whatever, that, whatever that means no, yeah um it's I think that's how we interpret those texts and, mm. and what we do with them um, you can use fiction to talk yeah. about these issues poetry yeah talk about those issues yeah. not everything has to be a journal article no um, and I
1: think it actually uh Importantly, it's like it's important yeah. that it comes from different ways. Mm. That's the only way it's mm. gonna change yeah. anything fundamentally. If it's only ever happening mm. in academic mm. texts, then it's not mm. gonna have an impact yeah. on on the on the wider yeah. society. So I think you're really right there. Well, I won't take up any more no, of your fine. time.
2: I'm I'm not busy anyway until whatever whatever, whatever <laughs> time. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm really looking forward yeah. to that guest talk tonight um, hoping a lot of people show up we've been trying to circulate it to all the students and staff at the university so mm. hopefully um, hopefully we'll have a good turnout yeah. it's really great to have you here I'm, um, uh, yeah, it's nice to have you in Edinburgh thank you thank you for coming I'm going to round it up here
0: mm-hmm. and that was Esther and Trey chatting out in Edinburgh earlier this week if you want to chat to us more about the topics in this, week pod- this week's podcast, the best way to contact us, or maybe the only way to contact us, actually, is through our social media channels. So you can DM us on Instagram at FemsocNapier, message our Facebook group, which is also Napier, or you can try searching Edinburgh Napier Feminist Society, or you can DM us on Twitter too, we have that, um, at Napier as well. I want to again thank Esther and Trey for the brilliant episode and doing it um, on such short notice and we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about disability as November is Disability History Month so we're really looking forward to celebrating that and educating and chatting about different things. So yeah, till then, stay safe, stay well and we'll see and hear you in the next one. Goodbye!